0: This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined just by Brady this week for a little bit of pared-down podcasting. So earlier today as of the recording of this podcast, Brady actually went on campus for the Football Media Day so uh, Brady, before we dive into all the stuff you heard, how was it being back in the saddle, back on campus for a little bit, just a couple of weeks uh, before the beginning of this football season?
1: Yeah. I mean, first off, just, you know, I feel like I'm doing this every time something is somewhat like normal. And like when I travel for the Pensacola tournament, I feel like I did a thing about it in spring practice I, or the spring game. Rather, I know that it was cool to be there in person. And so I don't want to just be that guy every time something happens like that. But I'll be that guy one more time to say it was very cool to go down to the football offices, um, talk to coach Elliot in person and the five players they had us uh, available for us. And uh, the zoom option was still available. There's people on the zoom call and that's going to be the thing. And the great thing is that people, we've gotten really good at it. And so we're, it's going to be a, an option for especially road games to places that, you know, we're not always going to be able to travel to every city. And so it's still going to be that fallback, but I'm glad it's back to being the fallback because it it's just a different vibe being able to be in person, ask questions that way and feel so much more of a human to human interaction rather than looking at a screen and answering a screen and asking a screen.
0: Yeah, I can definitely uh, appreciate that. I think the last press conference I would have gone to was sometime it was one of the games in the 2019 season and they had the, uh, the press corps, if you will, down in, I think it was one of the position meeting rooms and cameras and stuff set up there. And like, I miss that. It's fun getting to do the in-person stuff and having the actual physical connection with the athletes and with the coaches and being present with them in the same space. So very, very glad to see that you were having the opportunity to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah. And this was actually in the new room. It's a, a room I hadn't been in. I don't know if it was a room that even existed back when you're talking about. It was a little, small little room. Uh, with them um, just written all over the walls like Georgia State Panthers, like there is like a one of those state ATL logos where ATL is written in a different color um with the L E of state uh, and like all the class slogans and stuff. It's a cool little room. Um, when of Athletics releases the video, which I do not know if they've done as we're recording this podcast, I you'll at least probably see some of that backdrop and when you're the uh, student athletes, and where Coach Elliott are talking from, you'll see that. And I'm sure that's exactly where they're going for for having that type of a backdrop whenever they're doing these official calls uh, and uh, press conferences and stuff. But uh, the other thing I was able to do after the press conference is wrapped is I took a hot Atlanta day walk up the uh, three blocks or whatever it is, and I walked around the convocation center. And I just got to say, every it's the first time in a while that I had been there and it is so close to a finished product. You know, you've got the signage all up for the different gates around. It's a signage for the tickets place. And this is a little thing, but like there's actually ticket, you know, ticket stalls is what you call them, I guess, uh, connected to the arena. And it's, I think there looked like there were a set of them on the inside as well. Maybe that's will call or something, but like, Everyone made the most of what the sports arena was, but even stuff like that is just different to how the sports arena, you know, had that little like separate building with like four kiosks for tickets. That it just it's so much more professional looking, and it's exciting that it really is continuing to. And we go near it; something new has been erected, and I think we're running out of stuff like that because it's going to be open pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I've seen some pictures. Obviously, uh, you sent some to our group chat today when you were actually on the scene. And it's really, really exciting to see it come together. Obviously, we've seen the renderings. We've seen the plans. We've heard people talk about it for years. I know even back, what, like a decade ago? This is a, this is a real throwback for those of you who were active on the uh, Georgia State blogosphere and all that stuff in the 2012 2013 era when they had the renderings of the sports arena where they were going to they're going to turn the court and they're going to knock out one of the walls over by the Capitol. I think now where the uh, beach volleyball courts are like, oh, yeah, we're going to put this big thing in and we're going to put these suites. And of course, none of that ever happened, but it, it gives you the imagination and the uh, the want to to see something really cool and unique happen for georgia state athletics and it is really really exciting to see the uh, convocation center take shape and i know they're doing uh, season ticket selection i think in the next couple weeks and months they're going to get everybody else and i know courtside tickets are sold out so lots and lots of hype surrounding the panthers and then move to the new arena and that's going to be really exciting to keep track of as those events unfold but let's go ahead and dive into the actual content this week of course uh, starting with football Fall camp starts tomorrow at 10 a.m., which will be uh, today as of the release of this podcast. So chances are by the time you guys are listening to this, it will have already begun. But the team did host Media Day today with interviews with Coach Elliott and selected student athletes, as Brady said. So, uh, Brady, what were some of your takeaways and uh, good notes and quotes from today's festivities?
1: Yeah, so first off, the biggest takeaway for me, especially when you talked. Hear the student athletes speak, and the, the five that we spoke to were Darren Granger, quarterback; running back Jamias Williams; kicker Jamil Muhammad; cornerback Quay White; and safety Antavius Lane. And I mean this in the way that, like, you want to, as you're a fan of the program, the confidence oozed, and it, you could tell that they felt like this was going to be, this is going to be a year of opportunity for them, and that they are wanting to achieve all those goals that you know, name it, Sunbelt Championship, Sunbelt East Championship, uh, best winning record, whatever. You can tell that the expectation is there and that it's not rocking them. It feels like something they're ready for. And, you know, that was the most just... And that's something that came across when Coach Elliott and Malik Sumter and Blake Carroll went to Sunbelt Media Days and uh, did those interviews. We didn't really talk about that part of it when we discussed um, media days on that pod. But constant, you can tell... And it's kind of the type of vibe you get from the programs that Georgia State wants to emulate in the conference, you know, be it in Appalachian State or Louisiana. Like at a certain point you start expecting and believing you're going to do these things. And I think it's a a step up from where Georgia State's even some of these past seasons that have gone well, because you know, I would even draw a difference between it and the famous Dan Ellington, don't be shocked if we beat him about Tennessee back in 2019, because I think it's kind of changed to where. Instead of saying, don't be shocked, it's like, it's going to happen. And, you know, it might not, the games are going to have to be played out. And obviously, the first stretch of games against South Carolina and then at home against North Carolina, like, it's going to be hard. And then Charlotte comes in, Coastal comes in, you go to Army. Like, it's still as hard, if not a harder stretch of games to start this year. But certainly, the first thing that you could take away is that the team is ready for it. And I think that's been. More than just the running game developing, more than just being on the field, stuff that have started improving and becoming constants under Coach Elliott. I think that mentality has been something that's had to build to get to where you're going to be a team that wins the Sun Belt. And I think we're at that point. You know, every team thinks it's their year. And so words only go so far on August 4th, but certainly the first overarching thing I wanted to mention was that. And then, you know, as far as, you know, it's obviously just me talking about it. I was the only one there. Um, I w- We wanted to break up a little bit, just kind of, this felt like an opportunity to try something new that we haven't done before. And, you know, if this is something that really adds to the podcast for you guys, please let us know that this is something you'd want us to continue to do in future. But we're going to have some of the actual audio from Coach Elliott's uh, press conference with the media. And I'm going to kind of cue in where, you know, things that he touched on that kind of stood out to me as I was able to look at uh, the press conference after the fact. And, you know, the first place I'd start on what he said, uh, it's the first thing that I asked, you know, he spent his opening uh, statement talking about like all the returning players and, you know, naturally... The first thing i did last question was not asking about the returning players but asking about the situation with the uh fifth off who's going to replace marius gilmore and uh, this is what he had to say about that
2: it's going to be it's going to be a really good competition because we've got several really good young offensive linemen uh, we've got a transfer coming here as well uh, so we've got some combinations that we're going to look into and we're going to see some guys that See who the best guy can step up, whether it be at the tackle position or the guard position. We may do a little bit of uh, position changing, but some guys that we have already in place. But um, it's going to be a fascinating, uh, I guess, next three weeks.
1: And he didn't go into names there. Um, maybe asking the question a different way might have lent it to getting some names. But uh, one of the ones that he mentioned later was Bryson Broadway, the transfer from Eastern Illinois. And so he might be a guy that if you had to guess at this point might be factoring into that fifth offensive line spot. It might be him. But the interesting thing to me was that he talked about that they're gonna mix and match and maybe move some guys around and partly from the context clues of Travis Glover playing life left, left guard, I think maybe a handful of times, maybe less than that. It might have been like two or three times he just slid over last year during the season. Um in the media guide for Sunbelt or the notes but ahead of media days for the Sunbelt media days, uh there was a mention on the offensive line that Travis Glover might play guard. And so if you want to read the tea leaves there, I think it's possible you have that situation where the guy who's been the starter or left tackle the last two years is now the left guard. And I think it honestly makes a lot of sense because Glover just absolutely mashes in the run game. And so I think there'd be a fit there. I think it's possible that if he has a uh, opportunity at the next level, his best opportunity in the NFL would be as a guard, just the way he profiles and the you know, especially that he is so effective in the run game, that plays a lot at the guard uh position at that level. And so, you know, as we kind of know a lot of the questions, the answers to the questions of, you know, who's playing where because so many guys are back. That was one place where we don't really know. And it seems like it's possible that technically are gonna be two starters that are new if Glover ends up playing left guard. But you have other options, you have guys like Mason Cook, you've got guys like Louis Cristobal, uh, Avery Reese, guys who are kind of blocked at center because Malik Sumter just kind of got that position on lock. And so you might have some guys that have listed as centers slide over to guard. Um you can tell that, and this is something that even dates back to the spring and, you know, the signing day stuff this past year. You can tell the Coach Elliott – likes where he's at with just the sheer number of quality offensive linemen that they've been able to bring in it's a hallmark of what he he tried to do and so part and parcel of that is that especially since there's only one spot to fill kind of however they go about filling it i don't know that anyone should be concerned just because there's a lot of good options that are available but that's what coach Elliott laid out as far as the offensive line and then uh, later he got asked about the safeties um the open safety position, which is kind of the only real notable starting position that's open uh, as of now. And he left it a little bit open uh, when Antavious Lane talked. he specifically named Jalen Tate as possibly being that starter. And so I don't know if that's uh, a slip up or if that's just like who might be entering camp on death chart as the starter next to Antavious Lane at the other safety position, but that'll be something to monitor it wouldn't surprise me because Tate did well in the little mid- limited time that we saw him play last year. Uh, and then, you know, kind of past that because that kind of answered all of the questions on personnel that exist. And we wait to see if any guys surprise us in the next month as camp goes on The n- other new thing that was the, the, another new thing was Trent McKnight, the offensive coordinator. And, uh, Coach Elliott had a little insight on what he was looking to see the offense improve at, and even specifically, that it'd be something that Coach McKnight would be able to help with. And so take a listen to this from Coach Elliott.
2: I think, I think we've got to throw the ball down the a little bit more. We've got to take advantage. We've got some talented receivers. Um, I mean, Jamari Thrash emerged last year, and we've got some new tight ends that we can take advantage of. Uh, we got Craig Owen that's a, a big, talented, strong wide receiver on the outside. Uh, but we do need to push the, the ball downfield a little bit. Sometimes, you know, um, I, <laughs> I'm the fault of that. We may be getting four and five yards a clip, and I'm like, hey, if it works, what are we, what are we thinking about? You know, sitting here at second and ten, we got second and five. I like it. You know, so let's keep running the football. But if they're giving us those options, and we're and we're really powerful on the outside and in the slot receivers, and we can make those throws and catches, let's go do it. But I think that's one area, especially for us offensively, that we have to improve on.
1: And then the last thing for me, and maybe the most monumental answer for, I think, what fans are wanting to hear and just in general, I think it's an answer that says a lot about the program's the direction that it's going and that it's getting down to the minutiae is that, you know, he talked about Arkita Banks, the new special teams coordinator, and why now was the time that he wanted to have a dedicated special teams coordinator where it's the only position that he's coaching and this is what he said.
2: Well, I think we've got to make some plays in our special teams. You know, um, in, in the past, I've been more of just a field position guy, I didn't like penalties in the kicking game, momentum changers. You get, a, you get a holding penalty on a kickoff return and, and it just ruins everything offensively. It, it, it's almost like you take the field and it's almost like it's first and 20, even though it's not. Uh, so I just wanted to, to, to better organize that and take advantage of some of the players that we have in our return game. Um, we've got to pressure the punter a little bit more. Uh, we've got to do some things in that area to really, I think, get us over the hump uh, to, to actually dictate some of these games. Some of these close games, if we would have made a play in a special team area, we probably could have won these games. So we've made a commitment to that. He's done an exceptional job, very organized. I think our not just our specialists, not just our kickers, but everyone in general trying to get on that special team roster is going to be something special because he's going to push them to be the very, very best they can be.
1: I think it's going to be music to a lot of people's ears to hear that trying to return and big plays in the return game is going to be a new focus of the special teams, trying to go after punts. And Coach Elliott mentions that it's kind of, Maybe the diff- could have been the difference in a couple of losses the last couple of years if they could have had a block on a punt or a big return that flips the field. And, you know, he's right. And it is the type of plays that you see the teams that are perennially playing in championship games in any conference, let alone just the Sunbelt. And certainly the teams that have been at the top of the Sunbelt have done it really well. It's something that you see a lot from good teams. And it's been something where, Like I've said a few times on the pod, the special teams hasn't been the negative that it once was with Georgia State. There were some real, real, real rough years where special teams errors were putting points on the board for the other team. And it was just a mess. And it was certainly not anything in the positive. And I think that got changed. But I think people were looking for maybe this part of it, where there's going to be an emphasis on the special teams making an impact. And it's still August and it's still, you know, you can set about saying we're going to have an impact on special teams, but it's still about schematically setting up your situations where it's going to happen and the players actually going out and doing it. But I think for a team that says they want to win the Sun Belt East and go to the Sun Belt Championship game and win that and go into South Carolina and beat South Carolina, all of these things are kind of predicated on finding that extra edge. And it's the type of stuff that you're looking for when you are saying do everything we can to win you know it's it's a stone that maybe had gone unturned in recent years and it sounds like that is going to be different as we head into 2022
0: all right so one more brief news item this week on a little bit of a short pod so we have a correction to the men's basketball schedule it turns out georgia southern is hosting wofford on december 10th not georgia state Rocco Miller had previously reported that scheduling and let everybody know on social media today of that mistake. So, uh, baffling and a little, little frustrating, but understandable considering
1: how I'll much say stuff he puts out. I will say this. I, I think that it's a guy, you know, if you follow him on social media, he is doing all of the scheduling stuff. Right. He is releasing so many, like, this is who teams are playing. He is one of the pre- preeminent... Guys who does that for college basketball, and so I am sure the immediate reaction from people has been like another time where people mix up Georgia State and Georgia Southern. And I honestly think it was just a case of like not that. I don't think it's like he didn't know the difference between Georgia State and Georgia Southern. I think it was just a case of like, yeah, I I would hate as someone who puts out you know news stories from time to time, like mortifying to think that like a week later I would find out that the factual thing I put out was incorrect. So I, I'm sure he's had a hard enough time without any Georgia state people giving him a hard time about it. But uh, I guess we wasted a little bit of time now on the pod because we talked about that being like one of our favorites in the Belmont series, which yeah, I guess at this point, we're still assuming every other game is Georgia state, not Georgia Southern. We'll find out for sure when the schedule gets released, but the schedule is still really good. It just has one less good team on it. and. For all we know, the game in that window of time is going to be replaced by someone on a similar level. Um, We talked a lot about how there weren't that many road games, and so I guess it wouldn't shock me if somewhere in that stretch of games, there now is a road game against someone to be determined who that would be. And obviously, they're playing Auburn on the 14th of December, so they might not want to stack like two pay games on the road next to each other, but it would maybe be an opportunity for that just to get yourself some more road tests before the conference season starts, but a little bit of a bummer, but because there's still so many good games on the schedule, I don't know that it's one that like when we're talking about the schedule next year, it's possible anywhere all of us forget that Wofford was even quote unquote on the schedule this year to begin with, you know, it might be something that immediately slips our mind, but just a funny thing that happens and uh, you kind of move on and, Rocco keep breaking the schedule stuff, doing the good stuff at it.
0: Yeah. it Again, it's this stuff happens. If you, if you follow news and uh, reporting personalities in any level, like someone that you respect a lot, who puts out really great quality work is going to eventually make a mistake. And it just so happens that it's a frustrating thing for Georgia state and Georgia Southern fans to get those, uh, those things confused.
1: Yeah. I think what happened, he released that Georgia Southern, and San Jose State are opening the season. So I'm guessing he got that news today he's going to put out. And I think as he was going back three, he must have been like, and Georgia Southern's playing Wofford on December 10th. Oh, wait, that's not what I said. I'm sure it was that moment of realization. <laughs> Just, it could be so easy to do, especially when you're doing what he's doing and you're putting out, you know, hundreds of teams' schedules out.
0: Yeah, and Brady, like you said, this is still a really, really great uh, out of conference schedule. Um, I'm I doubt anyone's gonna miss the playing of Our Lady of the Third Floor Bathroom Baked Potato State University. Uh, but like, come on, it's hard to be upset with this. You got a great multi team event taking place in our brand new arena that we've wanted for 40, 50 years. Like, come on, lots to be excited about. Keep your chin up.
1: And I would say if you want to like schedule Wofford in a later year, you should still do that. I think it'd still be a good team to play. Just, I guess, wasn't who Georgia state's actually scheduled to play this year.
0: Yeah. So we'll keep you, uh, keep you updated on any further schedule changes. Hopefully there's no more great opponent retractions, but that's all we've got for you this week. A little bit of a shorter pod, but we did want to still get this news item stuff out to you guys this week. We will, of course, be back next week with more stuff. And of course, we have our position previews coming very soon, so be on the lookout for that on our website and social media handles. But again, that's all the time we've got for this week. We'll see you back next week. Have a fantastic week, and go Panthers!